Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, Propaganda is brought to you with Levi Solicitors. You can get 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Dan, Michael and Moscow with you on Propaganda. It's the show where we find out what is being said, what has been said about Leeds United. Bit hard this at the minute, isn't it? Really, given that we're getting pasted every week. Yeah, it's not as fun, is it, as when we were... Well, at least scoring some important goals. There's a, there's only a certain amount of anger you can extract from a, you know, the first a penalty in the 70th minute or whatever it was. It's not really very rich, a rich seem to mine, but never mind. It was a good penalty. It was a really good penalty. Oh, we've learned Rafinha can take them two ways. I don't know. Uh, Aaron Ramsdale thought he was doing something in that match, but yeah, Rafinha, and he'll have prepared as well. He'll have practiced. Oh, mm. if he does a stuttering run up, I know exactly how to play. Didn't bother, just smacked it in the top corner. The Norm- yours. The Normanton method. That's what I'd, what I'd call it. East Lower Pole did pick up on this, actually, on the feedback form. Didn't mention how good Raf's penalty was. Proper smashed it. Mm, it's, it's hard, isn't it, when you've conceded four at the other end to really enjoy yeah. a good penalty. Um, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a massive cheer when it was awarded or scored, was it? It was more of a, yes. I don't know. There was, there oh, were... It was 3-1, actually, at that point, wasn't it? Sorry. It was yeah, 3-1. and there was that small element of we could... Do something here because I think Arsenal in the second half were pathetic, and I hate them for everything that they did. Time wasting, taking ages over throw-ins, the uh, Zaka yellow red card business, all the everything that went on was just. They should have taken it to a Manchester City seven nil level, and I think it just goes to show that made you happy. Well, I mean, well, at least I still. Uh, righteously and extremely object to Manchester City's, was it the 4-0 goal straight after half-time that was deflected in off Firpo? Mm. Just a mess. Like, De Bruyne, when they'd had that goal ruled out and he was like, okay, just give me the ball back and I'll stick it in the top corner so we can have it. You've got to respect that from a player like him. Whereas, uh, deflected shot off of our left-back rubbish and then everything that Arsenal did in that game, just a lack of class. Whereas I could have, I'll applaud De Bruyne for that goal. Arsenal's third was heavily deflected, wasn't it, actually? That was off, was it off click? I think it was the shot. And it, it went, Melia would have almost certainly saved it. I'm yeah. Say. But it went, it went completely to the other side of him. So that's now we're down to 2-1. Yeah. And we'll say the last one and they've doesn't got t- count. And they should be playing with 10 men. Yeah. Of so it's 2-1. They're down to 10 men. All we have to do is equalise. And uh, I think we should have that point. Should say for the um, the benefit of the new listener, this is a show that we do in two halves. First half is where we find out what Leeds fans thought of the result, and then we'll do the Arsenal fans in the second half. Um, always plenty of uh, plenty of stuff that they do, isn't there? Let's face it. I bet um, they're angry. Well, can about we start? Something. Can, well, we've got 
fans who are angry with us, mm. first of all. And I mean, somebody, Daniela Wommoylan, somebody who's having a, some sort of trying to play on words with my name there. Thanks. Somebody saying it's the last season of Bielsa. Looking more and more likely that this is the last season of Bielsa's management, we really need to focus on enjoying every possible second of it, win, lose or draw, despite the defeat. That was an assumption because it was 3-0 at the time of writing. And then get Moscow on Skype for some positives, blah, 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 blah. We didn't need him on Skype because he's back now, you see. Um, and then dovetailing neatly in with that is the ghost of Christmas past who's going in with two feet on both you and me, Michael, saying that we are saying without directly saying that we want Bielsa gone at the end of the season. Pathetic. 15 tough games or so and you want him gone. Pathetic. If you want him gone and believe we'd be better off, say it. Don't say, I'd never turn on him, but, or, it seems like we've reached our ceiling. So, so then uh, it continues. This. I will say, I, I think this is going to be his last season because I think that's what is going to happen. It doesn't mean... Yeah, that you want it to happen. No, just like I predict we're going to get beaten most weeks. doesn't mean I sit here thinking, well, fingers crossed, Man City will do us. I mean, th- for me, there are, there are two strands to this. One of which is that I accept... I'm powerless in this situation mm. to affect the outcome. So, yeah, as was touched on there by my namesake, Daniela Wommoylan, I am trying to enjoy the good bits despite it being really, really hard work this season. And I'm like you, Michael. The other part of this is that I'm not willing it to be over. I just, like you, can see it coming a mile off. It just mm. seems like all the pieces seem to fit in terms of where we're heading. And, you know, <laughs> the other strand I was going to get at is that is Bielsa above any form of analysis or criticism? He's delivered us something absolutely brilliant and it's put him hugely in credit. Mm. And when he does go, I want him to go on his own terms. I definitely don't want to see him fired. And probably if that means going down this season with him at the helm, then I guess we suck it up. So I'm prepared to accept that so he gets a nice exit at the end of it. Mm. I was listening to um, Quickly Kevin, actually, and they they did an episode about Brian Clough and it was highlighting how he basically took Forrest down in his last season and was absolutely loved there. And I think we could almost still see a similar thing with Bielsa. There'll be obviously certain a certain group would, would turn on him and you know be asking for him out before then, but I think he could actually take us down and a lot of people would still be like, well, I guess he deserves a chance. To, if he I, deserved a chance to try and make it right. right just, until the just end. to address one of the direct criticisms of the ghost of Christmas past, if I wanted him out, I would say so, but I don't. Yeah. Because I love the man dearly and I love a lot of the football as well as accepting my powerlessness in this situation when I think... God, I wish we'd be more compact against Team X or whatever, or somebody strolling through us for a laugh. I just, I've, I've given myself over to it, to the experience, and I think, however it plays out, it plays out. Hopefully, we've got enough to be 17th or above, and that's all I give a shit about this season. That's, that's how I want it to end. If this is to be the end, and everything points to the fact that it probably is, but who knows? We might be wrong. What do you think, Moscow? Do you think this is his last season? I've no idea. What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> what, what, what does your gut tell you when you think about the way My that this, tells this me is that he'll do what he wants in summer like he always does? Yeah. Like trying to guess in December feels pointless to me because a lot will depend on how the season ends. I don't know how it'll end and just what he wants to do. So I don't know. Yeah. And what the club wants. Well, that's the other side. That's the, the, the point. The club is wants that... to. I think that, that's where I see it probably being his last year because I, I think with the 49ers kind of looming and the way they're likely to run things because of the way American sports teams are generally run. And while I'm sure they are happy with the position he's got us into, they probably also are thinking, um, we don't want a maverick dictator doing all of the, deciding everything at the club. Because he's got a huge amount of power, has he, hasn't he concentrated in his hands? Which has worked at Leeds, yeah. amazingly well, it's yeah. worth saying. So you would, there is a strong argument that says, well, don't change it. Then. Yeah. I mean, I posted something to this effect on Wacko when someone was asking me about it and I just said I just think 
it's risk versus reward. And we've seen the rewards as in league position, style of football. The returns on that have diminished this season. So that therefore increases the the amount of risk that runs against it. That's how I feel about it. And then the and the risk is obviously, um, you know, the, the small squad injury proneness and all the rest of it. And and it's just I think it's just that the, the the scales have probably tipped in terms of him leaving. It, just more in that direction, like you say, when you factor in the big elephant in the room, which is the 49ers, do they want to expose themselves to the risk of this again? Because he will insist on a small squad. And I guess at the root of it is the idea that the squad needs a big overhaul, or does it? I mean, this, these are the, the the unknowns that we have to kind of ponder about, don't we? And we are coming into this on the back of a very, a very bad week. And I wonder if on Sunday morning after the Chelsea game, we'd have the same attitudes because we were brilliant in that match. And then I looked at this this morning because The Athletic ran a piece analysing um, where everything's going wrong. And they're all about, a lot of it was about... Um, the stats this season and how much worse they are and that we're at the bottom of um, of every measure. But this week has done a lot of that. And if you take, I mean, math, me doing maths is always, you're talking about risk versus reward that will enter into that. But um, if you take out the madness from this season, which is the madness of this week, Arsenal when we didn't have a team, Manchester City when I think they wanted revenge as illustrated by the fact that Grealish and Foden went out celebrating and um, got themselves dropped over it like a modern-day Derby County. And then also, to be generous to us, to take out the scum game on the opening day, which was just um, bizarre. Our um, goals against per game takes us from um, to an average of 1.33 per 90, which would have us ninth in the Premier League. So far this season, we have been, against our peer teams, fine. And even if you put that scum game back in to uh, not be so generous, we're 15th. 1.56 compared to last season when our goals against per 90 had us 14th. So if you take out this week, which has been completely mad, it's not actually as terrible as it has seemed to be. And that's where some of the, the rhetoric this week, where it's all, why doesn't he change? Why doesn't he change his system? Do something more defensive, go five at the back. Well, I don't know when between Chelsea, Manchester City on Tuesday, and then Arsenal on Saturday, you either have the time or the wherewithal or the, the, the reason to change the way we play, particularly when you take into account for the Arsenal game, Charlie Creswell was going to play and Luke Ayling was going to be right back. The last informal training session on Friday of the week, Charlie Creswell dislocates his shoulder and then are we expecting to say, right, Cody Drama, you're going to be in the team on Saturday. Everything we've taught you over the last two seasons so that you can just step seamlessly from the under-23s and, uh, under and play the same way don't do any of that because we're changing everything. Yeah, It doesn't really marry up. It's very easy, and Bielsa made this point himself where he said, it's very easy to rip up a plan. It's really, really difficult to put in a new plan and expect it to work for the next game the way that everybody seems to want it to do. So the, the two things like that is the rest of the season this week apart isn't that terrible and that changing is not as easy as as people would wish it to be. And again, I mean, against City and with the team we had against Arsenal, I think you were, in both games, you're picking a way to lose because I don't know what this magical formation is that stops you from getting beaten by Man City or how you don't lose to Arsenal with, it was nine first team players out and it was 10 actually, wasn't it? And then 11 when Jackie Harrison's off the pitch. So an entire team gone. Peter Andre Mariner, definitely his real name, suggests we need to abandon the 4-1-4-1 formation and play two central defensive midfielders in front of the back four. 
don't yeah. have to. It says uh, every <laughs> every game we get over on there and Bielsa refuses to change it, we've been found out. But that feeds back into what you just said, Moscow. You know, that's at the root of what we're saying there about the idea of wanting Bielsa out. Not at all. Because I know that we're too far in now to start changing yeah. stuff massively. The, the cost of changing this season, I don't know what we would change to that would be better. And we're, we're only getting found out against Manchester City and Arsenal when we don't have a team. Those are the games in which we've been found out. The rest of the time, we're mid-table-ish. And probably where we should have been last season. In a way, last season feels like, I think we've said before, the overachievement should be praised rather than uh, seen as the norm. We could have had. If it wasn't for the brilliance of last season, in retrospect, we should really have had two seasons exactly like this. I feel like the injuries have almost been underplayed when it's been talked about in the media as well because people have looked at the team sheet and gone, oh, well, Luke Ayling's there. Ignoring the fact that Luke Ayling is playing as a left-sided centre-back <laughs> despite being a right-back. And they've gone, well, and, and Dallas is there. It's like, yeah, but he's not really a left-back either. He's a right-footed midfielder stroke right-back playing on the left. We've got Adam Forshaw, who is making still about his what sixth appearance or something after two years out. We've got Robin Cock, who's not played any under-23s football since going off injured on the first day of the season. Like there, are, there are holes all over the team in places you maybe don't even realise at a glance because no one, none of the senior players are, are actually fully fit. Even Rafinha's probably carrying a knock for half of that game because he'd been twatted on the ankle. You basically, And then you're down to saying, well, Melier, who's a 21-year-old goalkeeper. Mm. It's, it, there is not an awful lot in that team to build around. Because I, I saw some Arsenal fans as well saying, our oh, Leeds are complaining about only having kids to play, but you know we've got... Um, it was Martinelli and... Um, We've only got three £50 million pound players exactly, in reserve. It was Martinelli and, and Saka playing, but it's like, yeah, but let's look at who they, who they were playing against. They had Lacazette up front. We had Joe Gellhart. They had, in midfield, they had Party and Xhaka and Odegaard, who were all, you know, probably paid... I don't know how much to pay for Odegaard, actually, but he's kind of been a wonder kid for years and has about 200 games under his belt. Like The levels of experience and investment in there isn't at all comparable. So, yeah. And having some integrating some young players is a good thing. Having to say to Cody Drama, yes, you're playing right back alongside a completely patched up defence mm. and with a not great midfield, in, with a not certainly not first choice midfield in front of you. It's obviously a, a much more difficult gig. And and Saka and Martinelli are both quite experienced, but in comparison, and that, which I know they can say, well, because we, we've developed a young, some good young players and, and well done for that. But well, it's not comparable. Because they've been in the Premier League since 1919, well, the top division since 1919. And um and while we're on the kind of uh, I'm feeling a little bit defensive of, of Bielsa and such, but there's one of the reasons why the injuries aren't getting much attention is because a lot of people, pundits and so on, are using them to kind of justify their long standing opinions. Whereas mm. I told you burnout would catch up with them. That's murder ball for you. And when um Well, sorry to interrupt, I was just gonna say mm. the comment from Wisconsin Todd, who's under the caption of injuries here, says it does have issues with Bielsa's thin squad and lack of adjustment in his tactics, but the injury situation is so farcical, how can you not just laugh at it? Yeah. So, so there's, there's just, it's a grey area, isn't it? And it's there's, not there's even, truth in all of it. If you could say that all 10 injuries were directly attributable to the way he trains the players, then you'd have an argument against him. But as we said, Jackie Harrison getting kicked is a dead leg. That's nothing to do with training. Charlie Creswell, we were, we were talking about it on um, the match ball as to whether that was a, a murder ball injury, but they wouldn't have played murder ball last week because they had a midweek game. It didn't occur to me until afterwards. And then Bielsa has said it was, uh, he's described it as an informal session at the end of Friday. So I wonder if it, they were just mucking about and somebody's fallen on Charlie Creswell, but it wasn't like, <laughs> Pylon. 
It wasn't um, birthday bumps, maybe for someone. It was Rafa's birthday, wasn't it? Um, through the week, it could be that. Well, and, get, and Charlie Creswell <laughs> had to have the bumps. That seems a bit. He just might have fallen under the bottom of the pile. Though, well, you're not going to give him to Rafinha, are you? <laughs> oh, we'll, we'll we'll take it out on him. And then um, Pascal Stroik's foot. It sounds like somebody just kicked him. What other injuries have we got? Cooper and Phillips, the Cooper, and Bamford. Uh, the, that's the the sort of spine of the team that's gone. Cooper is a. It was a weird fall in that game, wasn't it? It wasn't like a hamstring where he was running and he. Mm. It, it pinged. He's fallen funny and it, his hamstring's gone. Calvin, he's had this long-standing problem with his calf and when he went off in that match, he sort of started holding his ankle, then he's holding the back of his knee and then it turns out it was his hamstring. So I think it's his leg is gone. Mm. It's a leg problem. Was it, well, Pascal's, uh, Pascal's colliding bones has said, if Arsenal had any self-respect, they'd have played some children or at least given us Ben White for the game because he'd have loved it. It felt a bit like that Michael Owen video where he's smashing goals past the child who's in net. Well done, he's 13. Yeah. It was a little bit like that. It did. It wouldn't... I have not checked the footage back to see if it was um, spotted on TV, but the way that Arteta and his bench celebrated at full time was so strange given that the game was won at half time. It should have just been, well, that there we go. We've confirmed what we already knew. We've won this game, which you'd won before they even left London. But then to be giving it all this, like, yes, we've really, we've really done something. We've proved something. We are Arsenal. We are great. Absolutely pathetic. Just going back to that, um, that athletic article that you mentioned there, Moscow, which I found quite interesting. So I have a little um, read through that this morning. And one of the things they picked out was the number of times we concede possession in our defensive third. In other words, that chip out to the fullback. People are, are cutting out our passing lanes down there. We can't play in those, you know, because I bemoaned it earlier in the season when we're not doing those little interchanges of passes. We're still trying them quite a lot. But I think people have sussed out that's where we like to play our football. So we maybe do need to uh, adapt a little bit because um, Neil Warnock is a character is in the, uh, the comments, the feedback saying, why do we keep passing the ball to the other team? They know it's not what you do in football. And Tom H as well, similar comments. And I, I, we're seeing a lot of that, aren't we? Just conceding the ball in, in silly areas. And I think, and I go back to the idea of being powerless, it's just that the players have genuinely hit their ceiling against a lot of other exceptional players. And you were saying like about that midfield and the thing that I took from the Arsenal game, I think I mentioned it on the match ball, was just seeing like Odegaard popping up in little pockets of space and pinging it inside or just finding himself a yard. And that's because he's a Champions League footballer. And the thing is, you say about finding the ceiling, the ceiling of the 11 we have on the pitch, I think is the, the crucial yeah, thing to yeah, stress. Yeah, yeah. Phillips and uh, Rodrigo in that, the middle of that team with Bamford ahead of them. Although I thought Gellhart did very well, but that's a much more able team if you put them, if you put yeah. those players in. And at the moment, we're having to play as well. Like I would say, Harrison and Click are both quite badly out of form, generally speaking. And ordinarily, with the full squad, would be dropped. The fact is, we can't drop them because although we might have to drop Jackie now, but under normal circumstances, probably you have Forshaw in Click's position, and you have Dan James and Rafinha on the wings, and Harrison's on the bench. But we don't have the players to do it at the moment, so. We, ha- we just have zero flexibility in there. So yeah. we're, we're having to play people who are coming back from injury, people who are out of form, and then there's about two players in our team who actually are, are fully fit and ready to go. Yeah, the, the comparison's been made between how many games Harrison and Alioski played together last season. So they get that understanding, whereas um, Furpo's been in, then out with an injury, then in, then out with COVID, then in, then out with a suspension, and then Jackie's been in and out because of form and with the fourth goal it's Tyler Roberts missing his pass to Cody Drama and it's like under what circumstances are these two players connecting in that position on the, the pitch ideally it wouldn't be either of them playing there because neither of them are the first choice in the first team so 
building up those understandings, which a lot of it depends on. But again, it does go back to when we were picked off very easily against Manchester City, who are world-class Arsenal, when there's just no first-team players. And it was interesting, Robin Cock was one person saying to Melier during the first half, he was like, aim for Rafinha, just get it out of here. I noticed that, by the way. Yeah, they were kicking for the wingers rather than kicking for the fullbacks a, l- a little bit more against it Arsenal. Was, uh, I think it was a... And, little... we lim- and we at least we limited him to four instead of seven, so, mm. the, so that's good. But I think it was interesting, it was a little Robin Cock coming straight back in and yeah. saying stop doing that stop giving it to Cody just get it out to Rafinha as, as early as you can and the um, the Chelsea one Melier to Dallas Dallas isn't a right back so it maybe works better if it's Melier chipping to Luke Ayling which is what we're more used to so it's this um, it's funny that, so, la, sorry that. lack of leadership yeah Tom's in the comments again talking about lack of leadership because we've lost some characters out of the dressing room not characters in the Neil Warnock sense characters in genuinely big characters so that could that could be part of it and it's just another factor in a in a number of factors and just talking about squad size and going back to the idea that Bielsa can't be criticised I think the squad size is too small and I've thought it's been too small since he's got here but I've enjoyed just about every minute of him being here as well that's the other side of that particular coin and I, I know why he does it I don't necessarily agree with it but you it's know, worked for three seasons grey areas we, we finished third, should have gone up. We won the league and then we finished ninth, higher than anybody expected. So I don't know what, what point during those three seasons we needed a bigger squad. It's weird how there is obviously now a lack of uh, a lack of squad players there. But when you look at the first couple of seasons when we were really like seat of our pants with cent- central defenders, we essentially went into it with Berardi as a starting centre-back. And now you look at it, we've got loads of central defenders, but they're all they're injured. All injured yeah. like, it's, it's a ridiculous situation that we've got ourselves in that you'd think, those two seasons, we were massively at risk. Now you'd look at the squad and go, right, well, we're absolutely fine for centre-backs. There's, there's no need to worry. You know, we, at the moment, Urente, Cooper, Strauch and Creswell, all out. Ailing's having to fill in there. And it's just, and it's it. so unlucky. What Bielsa said in his um, post-match after the Arsenal game, he sort of, he listed everything that's happened over the last week and then said normally these situations would resolve themselves and they haven't. And his plan with the small squad he referred to this as well, where he's sort of saying, if we sign more players, it blocks a path for the youngsters who we want to develop. And that ideally, a player being injured should be the opportunity for one of the youngsters who we want to see to come into the team and play well. So Bamford is injured, Joffy gets his chance. A defender is injured, Creswell gets his chance. But when you've got so many injuries, it becomes a weakness when it should be, the plan is for it to be a strength. And I don't know. It's it has been three seasons of success, and then it goes back to what I was saying. Uh, a week of about, failure. Well, yeah, it goes back to what I was saying about it works until it doesn't. Say and, that about anything, though. Yeah. Can't you? Well, that's it. But and you can only ever judge these things with the aid of hindsight. So we're always commenting from a position of greater knowledge, aren't we? Mm. And that's the that's the stupidity about what we're doing. The ref and VAR. We should speak about that. The COVID situation is mentioned. Should the game have gone ahead? Bigger question, I guess, about the general state of football. We'll, we'll do that on the main weekly show after this one. So park that one but yeah going back to the um, the ref and the VAR stuff very very interesting quite timely as well and I will have to apologise to whoever it was that reported on this but did you see the information that emerged over like I think it was Monday evening where was it even was it Peter Walton somebody had spoken to Peter Walton and he'd said certain players are judged differently based on their prior reputation essentially so Harry Kane got away with not being sent off because they don't feel like they have to proactively manage him going into games, whereas some players they do. So, so well, so Granite Xhaka has a reputation for being an absolute knobhead and still got away with it. So I don't know how that works. But they was basically saying that because, like, for example, Robertson was jumping to avoid Kane's tackle, 
Was it Robertson who was involved in that? Yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, because he was involved then in the goal and then got sent off himself. Because he was jumping to avoid it, that helped Kane escape the red card, which is madness and is not what it's about at all, surely. Should have stayed still and had his leg broken. Mm. Then we could have seen Kane sent off and it would have been fair. Yeah, they've bent a lot of things out of shape to keep Harry Kane on the pitch. And they've then, they've uh, also bent a lot of things out of shape to back their referees as well, was the other point of this. Mm. That, and you've said this before, like they've got themselves in such a mess with trying to basically back the on-field decision that, and you've said it, Michael, as well too, it's, it, it can be both a red card and not a red card depending on the outcome and you know, and depending on like the, the Man what, City. what happens afterwards and you know whether the, there's a blue moon or whatever. Well, the Man City one, they've tried to justify that under the rules as well, haven't they, where Edison just slides through the box and completely clatters into someone, but they're saying it's not a penalty because he's not got the ball. But isn't that... The other player has long, long since got the ball, hasn't Isn't that he? still a foul, though? You can't mm. just slide into people off the ball because if they've not got the ball, that makes it worse, doesn't it? That you've been so late that you've that you've just taken someone out when the ball's like five yards away. Yeah, I mean, if, if, but if, if, they, if the they, ball is over on that side of the area being contested and the goalkeeper comes out and slides through an attacker <laughs> over here in the six-yard box, that's a penalty, isn't it? Yeah, you're, not, you're <laughs> just not allowed to do it. But instead, rather than go, oh, yeah, we, that, was, that was stupid, wasn't it? Sorry about that. They've gone, well, actually, no, you're wrong. I know, I know to anyone watching that would seem ridiculous that you can slide through someone but actually that is fine because yeah. we're, we're not willing to admit that we've gone wrong on this. That's it. They're coming from VAR from the wrong direction of trying to support the referees to make it look like the referees make big, strong, clever, right decisions on the pitch more often than they do instead of accepting that I keep, I've been listening to a lot of PLs lately but mistakes are part of football and they're part of human life and Instead of saying, oh, you've made a mistake, you need to give a different decision, they're going, well, if we start, you know, if we keep saying the referee's making loads of mistakes. It'll undermine think, them, Moscow. Yeah, exactly. Whereas what is undermining them is that we can clearly see what they're doing wrong and then the VAR isn't correcting it. It's like the internet arguments, you know, Twitter arguments, when somebody gets something wrong and they're proven to be, disro- uh, proven to be wrong, sorry, and they, they, they double down. Mm. <laughs> well, it's, it's almost like that, isn't it? Yeah, and it's more this idea that mistakes are weakness. And uh, yeah, if yeah. a referee makes a mistake, they're weak. Whereas, and maybe this is maybe that's correct because of the way that everybody is, and people will start saying, "Well, if they keep making, uh, if they keep having to be overruled by VAR, then but that's the what point are they doing?" Yeah, but yeah, that, that is the to point help. Of it. And it's I, to help, isn't it? You need to get into that position where there is no shame mm. in a referee needing VAR to help them understand what happened. It's the ridiculous situation of if if Jack has sent off there. There was some um, confusion about pronunciation as well. I think it was called Zaka and Saka and Xhaka at Granite. various points. Granite. If he's sent off there, VAR probably doesn't tell the referee to overrule it. Yeah. They probably go, oh, no, that's the right decision. Whereas as it is, they watched it and went, you didn't give anything for that. Also good. <laughs> but, that's, and then, but That's then, also right. And, well but VAR can't tell them to give him a yellow either. Yeah. yeah which so is, it's just, which it's, just adds to the farce of it. It's completely insane, isn't it? That's it always said. VAR would be most useful if you have somebody watching the game who can just get in the referee's ear and go looking for that um, Lee did from, you see it no booking. sorry Lee from the Cheese Wedge is asking do we look a bit tin pot compared to other teams because we're uh, we're creating a good atmosphere even though we're getting battered no not at all <laughs> I think it's brilliant it, it does cross my mind sometimes because you, you sort of think I don't know if this is the right thing to do but, yeah, but I don't, sticking with it why, what's why, the alternative why turn on them why not support, exactly. them, support them through this there's, there's nothing good to be gained from turning on them yeah. um, just for the sake of outside appearances and I thought it, it was genuinely quite moving I thought at the end of the game seeing the, the players going round and still still getting the applause. And, and as well, like the last players off the pitch were people like Sam Greenwood. And you think, well... What, uh, what put some we- respect on Tyler Roberts' name, please. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> I stayed until the last player was off and I I was talking about this last week. He 
is always the last player off. He always makes mm. a point at the end of every game, applauds all four stands, who are, which are all full of people who absolutely hate him, <laughs> and then is always the last person off. And I think I kind of admire that he has this mm. routine of whatever happens, he's going to do that. And I noticed um, all the players have been saying how important the support is. And it was interesting. You expect it from like Foreshore or, or Dallas or the senior players who are kind of, and you wonder sometimes if it's a line. I think it was the Crystal Palace game when Tyler Roberts did the post-match interviews. And before the person had finished asking the question about the atmosphere, his face lit up and he said, the fans are absolutely incredible. I love playing here. And, you know, it does make you think he definitely does not look at what people say about him on Twitter, which is for the best. Yes. Um, <laughs> but for him to be feeling that, and you could say it was obviously genuine reaction the way you couldn't wait to say he had a, he put it on um, his Instagram story as well. After the Chelsea game, somebody had said, uh, um, there was like a photo from one of those football, like Bible accounts of Leeds fans saying, can't believe this support and Leeds fans are different. And it was mm -hmm. a photo of some people in the away end at Chelsea. And Roberts screenshot that and he put, I think his caption was something like, um, you'd better believe it because this is what Leeds is all about and how much he, he loves that support. So to then decide that all of that's tin pot and we shouldn't do it because we, it looks a bit daft. It counts. Who, it really, it counts. It does make a difference. I think yeah. as well, there is a difference between now and other times because there have been, I will freely admit, there have been some times I have not stayed to clap the team after 4-1 defeats. I've, hmm. I've stayed to yell abuse at them once or twice. When you can tell they don't give a shit. Like under under certain managers, certain players, you've been like... Well, I mean, Michael Brown very, was there. It's very clear several of these players do not give a toss about playing for this club. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything wrong with calling them pricks. We, <laughs> well, no, we, I don't. <laughs> we remember Michael Brown played until his contract extension mm. was triggered and then disappeared from the team. So what does that tell you about his priorities when he mm. was a Leeds player? I hated seeing him again on Hey, listen. On but Saturday. yeah, Sam Greenwood does not deserve that negativity. No, no. Let's... He's, let's Cody Drama, it's fine. He, had a, he didn't have a great game, but fine. I'm not, I'm not happy to shout at him. Let's finish this section on some positivity because we've heard from Slip and from um, Ken Bates, Stole My Seat, uh, just saying, look, you know, the season's not over. And I know we keep saying this and we keep waiting for it to, to click into gear and hopefully things will turn around. And, you know, it does look pretty, pretty bleak when you're going into the halfway point of the season with only three wins under your belt. But as we've said loads of times, these are not the games that, including Liverpool, that we're going to be sort of judged on this season. It will be what we do against the other teams. And we probably only need, what, five wins, six wins to stay up from here? It's not, it's not a huge amount, is it? Because it is remarkably mediocre as the Premier League and we happen to just be not very good this season. And there is still January. There is. So we've got January the opportunity to reinforce, whereas Newcastle are trying to build a team as good as our rubbish team. That's their task in um, in January. Everybody's worried about them with all the the money they've got. But the if all our play, all we have to do is get our good players fit, and then we've got a good team again. Whereas the team, the teams that are below us, Norwich and Newcastle, and who knows about Burnley this year, but they have a lot more work to do to be as good as we will be once we even have. It doesn't even need all of them back. We just need a few back so that then we can be a little bit more like an actual Premier League football team than the lineup that we've been putting out. And you don't need to do much to stay up. And even as bad as the table looks, we're what, six points off of the relegation places, six points off being 10th. So it's, you know, are we panicking about finishing 10th? Mm. <laughs> it's, <laughs> not not it's not the 10th aspect I'm worried about, but anyway, you know, it's, it's when you look in the rearview mirror. Either way could go, couldn't it? And we didn't have that big um, run of... Uh, 
wins last season until it didn't start until about, well, it was 10 games from the end when we suddenly got good, wasn't it? Until then, it was kind of average all the way. And we need to get back to average soon. I think but, part of that is actually to do with timing. If you look at when we faced the likes of Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, Man United last season, it was when they were all in the thick of the European competitions as well. So maybe they got one eye on other stuff as well. So in the second half of the season, hopefully if a couple of them are you know, otherwise distracted, there's a chance maybe if we get some players back, then you can start to pick one or two points up here against against those teams. But the business has to be done against the likes of Burnley and so on and so forth. I think that's where if we turn up against Burnley, assuming all that does go ahead and there's not a COVID shutdown, if we are shite in that game, then I think maybe there are questions to be asked. But it's always going to be judged against the injuries as well, isn't it? People mm. won't forget that. If you've got an injury crisis, what you really need is to play Burnley. <laughs> and then it, the weird thing is, and uh, Bielsa had a bit of bewilderment about this as well, is that Chelsea was only seven days before Arsenal and it was our best performance of the season. And that was not even a first team. So if we get back to how we were against Chelsea, and that's again, I think it's another argument in favour of not adapting and not changing the way we play just for the City and Arsenal games, which because of the quality of City and the injury crisis against Arsenal, we probably weren't going to win anyway, is just instead of distracting yourselves by ripping it all up and trying something else to try and get something out of some games that we probably would have lost them anyway. I said about the City match that you go to play them, you're basically choosing the way that you want to lose because once they score, they're out of it. May as well stick with what we're doing and keep honing that so that when we do come up against Villa and Burnley, Southampton, all the rest, we can beat them. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So what have Arsenal been saying about us then? Quite a lot by the looks of it. We've got a long way to go with this, this setup, haven't we? If we're going to try and match what AFTV have been up to. Christ. I mean, I mean there would be a lot to go out, but it's they were all like 
saying the same thing, more or less. There or are 18 uh, videos that they've done on the Leeds <laughs> Have game. they genuinely done 18 there videos? There are 18 videos. That's about not the, an exaggeration. About the Leeds United match. So It's only been two days. How have they done 18 videos in 18, two days? How many, how many people have they got working for them? I don't know, really. There's Obviously, Robbie's the main one. There's the, the Lee, who we'll come on to, who's the angry, should be a Millwall fan bloke. It's Turkish. I know him. There's Ty. I didn't see Ty. He's the idiot one. He's like the, the real mm. sort of nominated, let's all laugh at what he's saying. He gets angry. There's a few of them that get angry on live streams and stuff. About um, a 4-1 win? Yeah, no, not about a 4-1 win. They're all fairly okay. happy. They're all, they're all happy about that. Well, that's it's all right now. That, that's part of the problem with Arsenal fan TV is that they're very reactionary. So now... Arteta doesn't have to go to jail this week. Exactly. So they're all, they're all dead happy at, at the moment, speculating as to whether they get the top four. Someone even suggesting whether they could push on and finish in the top three. So all their misery was completely justified, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, so, so the first their, their clip... Their tough, tough life they've got. The first clip... Will in re- their 60,000-seater <laughs> stadium in London, so it's easy to attract players. We'll rewind to what surely, from the sound of this clip, must have been six months, a year ago, but actually was the 6th of December. This was what they were doing following Everton, which we, we did play. It was after the... On the Brentford propaganda, I think we might have we might have had this clip in, because it was just their, their complete despair. Right. And this is uh, this is Millwall. This is how bad things... This is Millwall fan disguised as an Arsenal family. <laughs> this is how bad things have got. Damari Gray done us over today. What have we got to do, Mark? Can this cannot continue at this football club no more? Something has got to change. They are, they, play, they played us off the park today. Seventh in the league again. You know what I mean? Just absolute priming points. Left, right and centre. What an idiot in charge. Listen, we're meant to be, yeah. We're meant to be in this in this big six, Lee. Yeah, we're meant we to be in this big six. six yeah, we're in a big six with this manager now. Last November, I told it this is it. These three games t- would t- was going to tell me everything I know about Mikel. Fuck off. <laughs> so, so what, that was then. What, they were. Hang on a second. Let's just recreate that. Something needs to change at this club. Something were, needs to change. Do you know what's changed? They've won some games. They'll never be big six. They were seventh at the time. A points behind scum. Uh, three points behind, uh, oh, two points behind Tottenham. Yeah, but Muscle, is club. Yeah, since, I mean, he was judging him on that three games and he needed to fuck off. Since then, they've had three games and they've been a 3 0 win against Southampton, 2 0 uh, West Ham, 4 1 against us. And everything's actually fine, as it turns out. <laughs> anyway, on to the actual match itself. Yeah, the actual, I mean, the actual game, they were, they were just sort of saying they were dead good. I didn't, they were being really a bit overly smug about Martinelli. I couldn't be bothered including any clips because. Do you want to do a quiz instead? Do we, <laughs> but do we want to hear him saying like, oh, how good he was? Because then I just think my mind just goes, yeah, but he was, he was playing against he, the child. He was playing against the child making his Premier League debut. Like, so what? Don't prove anything. So I went to the interesting bits of the game, listened to the penalty. Well, yeah, they weren't that asked. They thought it was after, eventually. But the uh, the Xhaka foul is fairly interesting because there was three of them on their, their live stream. They weren't all in one room for this. I know sometimes they do, they do watch longs all in one room, but the... There was just the three of them on a split screen. There was a Turkish who is quite sensible from what the Arsenal fan TV stuff I've seen. He seems like he's he's kind of the sane one that they've nominated. There's some other lad on it. And then there's Lee, the angry man. As I said, he's he's kind of a Millwall fan in disguise. And his views on refereeing um, and the foul that Xhaka did were kind of predictable. But I, I quite like it. Players. Oh, Granite Xhaka's just done a... Granite Xhaka's just done a granite special by stamping on the guy's... Oh, no, leave it out. No way. Hey, Lee, that's a bad that. tackle, that. That's a really bad tackle, that. He didn't need to he's do it. He's got the ball there. He's got the ball. 
He's not got the ball. He's not got. I've got to say, and this is well, why. Like he got the ball to me. No, he didn't, did he? I mean, I think he, in fairness, I think he did touch some of the ball. Yeah. But then he also did a big stamp on his ankle, which you're not allowed to do. No. But that said, should we leave Lee in charge of the refereeing? Because I feel like everyone know where they are with it. At the moment, part of it is you don't. People don't know what's a foul, what's allowed, what isn't. I feel like with Lee, you know your line, don't you? And so, if all the referees were operating under his guidance, it becomes it becomes a fair game. So basically, it's one rule, isn't it? Is it one rule? Like if you get the ball, you're fine. He does essentially go on to argue that because it, if if um, Rafinha does that tackle at Chelsea, we they don't get a penalty because he got the ball. Eventually, yes. <laughs> <laughs> he did do a bit of man first, but I think Lee would say that was fine. He does he does essentially go on to argue that when he played football. If you got the ball, you could do what you wanted. And mm. the other two are trying to talk him round and be like, but Lee, no, that's that's not the rule though, Lee. You're not allowed to do that. And he's like, Well, it's fine. <laughs> Eventually they do they do sort of talk him round and he does have to um acknowledge that maybe it shouldn't be allowed to do that because there is a precedent in law. Were they talked around as soon as um Cody Drama did it to one of their players? Did that <laughs> convince them that maybe well, it was it was Gelhart did it, wasn't it? Oh, Gelhart, yeah, sorry. After. And in fairness to Lee, consistent, he was like, well, he caught him a bit, I suppose. <laughs> See, Robertson at Spurs, he caught him a bit. <laughs> He's like, if he he could, what he would have not even flinched. I know it wasn't a bad tackle, but the um, the old dislocated ankle against Liverpool, mm. he'd have been like, get up, <laughs> you <laughs> soft slag, walk it off. Harold, Listen, uh... you can get you can get uh, arrested for attempted murder. So um, you know. Um, if it's intent there, like you know, it, I suppose from that point of view, if you you are intending to to hurt an opponent, I suppose you you need to be punished for it, even though you don't actually do it. You, you see what I'm saying? Is he suggesting that somebody should have been charged with attempted murder there, or is he just drawing a parallel? I think it's it's a weird parallel, but it's just you can be arrested for committing crimes. He sounds like a man so. who's, who's learnt from bitter experience as well. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you could be. But I didn't even kill him. <laughs> I only but, thought about it. But you were stamping on his thing. I was not doing it. On, well, all right. There was a bit of intent there. Bloody <laughs> hell. You can't do anything these days. Anyway, so that was the end of Arsenal Fun TV. Really. Is that all we're going to do? There's no point in wallowing it. No, no. 18 videos. And that's all there was. It was just them all going, oh, it's good, isn't it? Can you imagine a world in which we do 18 videos we about like, a game? We like bitterness. It's what, that's what this section's about. It's about hearing how angry they are about stuff and mm. there was none of it. Well, I mean, it's not even funny, is it? Because I'm not sure all of it was factual. So That is very true. Well, someone did um, highlight, I can't remember who it was now, a journalist was saying, oh, Leeds fans are singing Soft Southern Bastard at Martin Odegaard, but he's actually from 600 miles short of the Arctic Circle. <laughs> they don't even got, they've only got it factually correct. So, so egg on their faces. It's like, uh, football, I, football chants and podcasts can only be factual mm. from and now I, on. And I think everyone in Ellen Road did think all of Arsenal's players were all from within the M25 was my understanding of it so if they've they've snuck a Norwegian in then that is news to me sneaky I mean like so when people sing to us shit Yorkshire bastards or whatever Mm. is that allowed or is that wrong or it's it's not factually correct so So we shouldn't get upset about it Rafinha's from North Brazil right Mm. okay from further north than you (laughs) okay let's move on then to the wider world of propaganda what else has been said in the football world because you're right I don't need to sit here and listen to Arsenal being happy. Let's listen to people slagging off Bielsa and get ourselves angry. <laughs> That's what I thought. Let's so, say, you know, if we do go down, can we face championship propaganda next season? Or do I have to have a rethink? I mean, 
it's not. It won't be as easy because there won't be eighteen videos produced by who's in the championship. Reading fans. Christ, forty six <laughs> match balls as well. But I mean, as I was uh, <laughs> as I was on my COVID sick bed recently, sort of listening in, hoping that you were just about managing to keep the podcast going without strength me. to strength. Some people said, "What do I find out?" But you started beef with a third division football team. Apparently, they are now our rivals. As soon as my <laughs> Back is turned, some tin pot rivalries stoked up. So I don't think we'll have any problem. Championship propaganda will be a step up from picking fights with Brentford. I wonder, you know, if Paul Heckingbottom is onto this podcast because he's stopped the whip ball, the out ball. If they, someone's told him, I'd be really annoyed about that. Because mm, they beat Fulham last night, the Sheffield United. Four wins in a row. Sheffield nice, United. And they, they only conceded against Cardiff um, in a 3 2 away. Win. I was just looking actually, Paul Heckingbottom was trending on the Google last night, not even the Twitter, but um, searches for him, um, particularly in Scotland at full time last night. Are, uh, from, well, actually, the, from the Hibs region by any chance? It could be. Uh, assuming it was a 7.45 kickoff, 10 minutes before the game started, there's a big Heckingbottom spike, half time and then full time. Everybody's going mad for the heck and... Uh, yeah, quite a lot, actually. Uh, quarter to six this morning. It's per- 46. It's- I don't know how many per whatever. Oh, right. A value of 100 is peak popularity. So he had 46% popularity for his searches at six o'clock this morning. What's the time delay with um, San Francisco? I think it's <laughs> Paragmarate on the lookout for a new manager. He'll be get on the phone and be like, there's this guy tearing it up in the championship. He's, he's, he's guy, local. Full of great ideas. <laughs> he's got two big ideas. Uh, one with the ball. But yeah, every week I'm listening to his bloody pre and post match press things to try and find whip ball without ball. Does he let you down this week? Nothing. What have we got then? We've got the football terrace, which is, you might remember this is the YouTube thing that gave a, um, a voice to Sonny, the Liverpool fan who wanted Pascal Strauch arresting for attempted murder. <laughs> oh, um, he's the one who pr- who's proven quite unpopular, bless him. Yeah, he's, I had a look since we made fun of his big desk. You know, he got his big desk. No, his big head. Small desk, big head. Yes. Tiny drinks bottle. He looked like a like a South Park character, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, the yeah. setup he had. He's not done any videos since then. Oh, bless him. So, but it's that same it's that same YouTube channel. This is run by someone called... Well, maybe, maybe he's fallen over because if you've got a head that heavy versus <laughs> the rest of your body, he's like the opposite Possibly. of a weeble. You know, weebles used to wobble, but mm. they didn't fall down. Yeah. Maybe he's, he's toppled over, like maybe like a turtle on its back. Or maybe his mum's just said he can't use the conservatory anymore on a <laughs> on a weekend. She's got she's got friends over. Take that bloody green screen down, Sonny. Right next, go on then. It's Terry Flewers. He's the man. Flewers, Flowers. I don't, it's got an E in the middle. I don't know. He's he's like Tim Flowers, but it's gone wrong somewhere. But he was just having a having a pop at us basically after the Arsenal game, and in particular Bielsa. I think Bielsa is a great character. He may he probably is a great person. I don't know him. But people allow someone's personality to feed too much into their opinion on their profession, like how they are as a professional. And that for me is my issue with Bielsa. People use the word great next to his name. Fergie's great. Pep is great. Klopp is great. Arteta is great. Now, joking. Wenger is great. Like the point I'm making is, is you can't call Bielsa great. Man's using man-to-man marking in 2021. Bruv, that's the equivalence of me using a Filofax. That's the equivalence of me using Betamax, man-to-man marking in 2001. And he don't change it for no one. This ain't the championship, my G. Scott McTominay got a brace against these men. Scott McTominay got a brace. And that's what annoys me about them. That's what makes me, 
That's what makes me so frustrated about watching Leeds United. Irrespective, I said the same thing when they played City. I said the same thing in all their games. This isn't an Arsenal thing. So Arsenal fans, please don't go, oh, you're not giving this credit. You were great. You were brilliant. I've already done the praise. But I'm talking Leeds for a minute. I want them out of this league so bad. I give me 19 Burnleys over one Leeds United. Oh, they're exciting. They're not exciting. We all love them because they're easy to beat. There's no jeopardy in that. Honestly, honestly. It's just, it's embarrassing. It really is. I'm going to go to some super chats now. I ain't done no super chats yet today. Some super chats. I mean, the first time I came across Terry Flewers, I actually thought he was Jamie O'Hara because he's got that same, how to, Squeaky des- how to describe, <laughs> annoying, he's like a real cockney prick you might hear in a pub who you can hear over everyone. No mm. matter where you sat, you can hear his fucking <laughs> dickhead yapping on and then do you, you see him. Do you know what I think about, Leeds? No. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you. There's, I hate having an opinion about me. Don't. I put it all in Bitcoin, mate. <laughs> that sort of knobhead. <laughs> no, mate, it's only an NFT. You yeah. don't understand it. <laughs> Fuck off, Terry. I mean, where to start on him? He's a, well, from he's what I can gather on, I thought he was a Chelsea fan. Oh, is he? I thought he was a scum fan. I just had a look at his Twitter and it's constant Chelsea. There's oh, a photo right. of um, him with somebody in an Arsenal shirt. I don't know which one's which. Who, the worst kind of prick. That's what we're saying. <laughs> and um, yeah, all his Twitter feed is just news about. Oh, is it Chelsea? Oh, Chelsea. I knew he hated Leeds, but he also says that Edison Cavani like- to Barcelona is cooled. So thank you for that. I really like how we've completely played the man and not the ball here. Well, <laughs> we've not addressed what well, he's, he's talking, about. He's talking about. There's more of that. more of that to come. <laughs> like when he's talking about Bielsa being uh, people prioritizing personality over anything else, and then he lists. Ferguson, Klopp, um, who else was in the Guardiola, all famously, you know, nobody's ever paid any attention to the personality traits of those managers. And, and a, a, it's not football manager. A manager's personality is a key part of the way that they coach a team. It's not, he can think what he likes about a man marking system, whether that belongs in the 1980s or the 2020s or not. The power of Bielsa is that he managed to convince a group of players to be so good at it that they got to ninth in the Premier League. So his personality is absolutely key. I just don't think, I mean, I'm not really going to take lessons about personality from internet personality Terry Flewers <laughs> shouting about yeah. things that he doesn't really care about because it uh, would be so under- easy. Or understand. So easy if he, I mean, yeah, now would go, you refer? Uh, would you refer to Bielsa as my G? He's now, um, as I go he scroll is, back he is my G. to yesterday's tweets, God, he tweets a lot. There is now, I'm seeing Bruno Fernandez's face for I'm some on, reason. I'm so his, I get the feeling he might just be a Premier League fan. Is he fan. a Premier League fan? Oh, God, the worst kind of person. That's why he was all like, he wants Leeds out of his Premier League. I'm on his Twitter profile, and his first thing it says is finance professional as well. So it is the big, I bet it is the fucking Bitcoins. I bet, I bet it'll be on that for you. Finance professional. Oh, content creator. You hate the word content as well, don't you, Moscow? Well, I mean, this, this is the absolute definition of content where you've given somebody a show on YouTube to shout about things that they don't really care about and then they have to desperately think about what they're going to shout about this week so I'll just shout about Bielsa even though I don't have any particular insight or anything new or interesting I don't know the first fucking thing about him (laughs) however I will just shout about it for a bit and that will fill a gap content you only need content if you've dug a hole that's all it does is just fill, fill the hole that you've dug it's good to have you back with um, the thing about man marking as well, saying like you can't use it in this day and age, but we used it last season. 
yeah. the season before that, and it did really well. Is there is there a cutoff point where this season it's been like it's been fine to the start of this season? Then it's like no. Who was it? Um, that must not happen anymore. Which team was it? You might remember because you dig out the clips. But one team earlier this season was complaining about the zonal marking system and said they should have gone man to man. Well, everyone who concedes goals complains about the marking system, whether it's man marking or zonal marking. You can see the goal from zonal marking. Everyone goes, it's much better to go man to man. The ball goes in on a post. You need men on the post. The ball goes in from a header. What do we have men on the post for? You need to be marking the men instead. It's a, <laughs> a complete hindsight way of doing things that you can go. Well, that's a. That's where they, they even do it on telly sometimes. They'll, a player they will know where a goal is going to be scored from. They'll draw a little box on where they know the ball is kicked into the goal. There should have been a defender, and then there. go <laughs> defender needs to be marking that space. And you think, well, yeah, you know that now. If yeah. it, what, but if there'd have been someone there, they might have passed it the other way, and then there'd have been a space in this place instead, and someone might have scored from there. Again, one of the pleasures of having Bielsa in this Premier League is the way he does force you to think a bit more about things. And when he was talking about mistakes the other week, and he said. If you look at every goal, somebody will have made a mistake. Otherwise, goals don't happen. And what do you like about football? Do you like goals? Then you need mistakes. Yeah. So getting angry about mistakes is a waste of time because without them, the game is every game is nil-nil. And he said he'd win every game, didn't he, if his team were robots? But who wants to watch robots? Well, exactly. That was his whole point, was not that he thought that a team of robots would be desirable and that's what he wants. It's just that that's impossible. You have to deal with humans and they will either win or they won't. Right, next clip. Sorry, Terry. Well, Terry's invited some other wanker on because he thought he thought him. <laughs> is it thought, Ethereum this time, mate? Oh, he thought p- pumps he it thought, all into Ethereum. He thought he, is it Ethereum? <laughs> is that the word? Uh, probably the the, um, the got Doge, a lot of chilies. The Doge coins. Of- I bet he's got. I bet he's well into the chilies. So shows all that bollocks. He'll be he'll be firmly into it. I, I wish really wish I not downloaded the app. I get notifications every day. We've got another Brazilian team that we've mm. managed to. <laughs> we managed to persuade someone else that this is a good idea by take our money chucking some money at them um, but yeah this is just some other dickhead <laughs> I agree with you Leeds, Leeds, Leeds is the most fraudulent I'll talk about the most fraudulent team in the league everybody for I couldn't stand it for the last few years talking about how amazing their football is and this all I see is a bunch of dudes running around not playing defense. That's that's what I when I watch Leeds, I can't handle it. I don't think it's not. I've never thought it's fun football. Just like you said, even with their first team, they're trash. Don't watch us then. If you can't stand <laughs> watches, don't watch us and just fuck off. And it, and is it, that is that a fair outcome? But it worked really well. Is fraudulent actionable? Mm, I hope Confus- so. Confusing a, a club of fraud. Should we should we try and sue him? Well, not us, but maybe Leeds United want to take the case on. Next. I did actually just look at uh, your, your Terry Fluer's LinkedIn profile um, about he specialises in implementing solutions to address regulatory reform in the banking, insurance and investment management sector. So what the fuck am I listening to his opinions on Marcelo Bielsa? <laughs> if he wants to do a banking podcast, fine, but I don't know why I need to uh, listen to him telling me that Bielsa is a Betamax. <laughs> this is a complete um, tangent, but I discovered this the other day while searching old Leeds players. Um, Monty Gimple is now a primary researcher at Norges, 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 Norges Bank Investment Management. Right. He's in the old finances, Monty Gimple. So yeah. That's good. He's now branded as Montgomery Gimple on LinkedIn, if you're trying branded. to find him. <laughs> he's using his name. Well, Mon- I mean, he was always Monty though, wasn't he, at Leeds? <laughs> well, we call like he, he sure was, Michelle. I'm fairly sure that the paperwork on his contract will have said Montgomery. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to still refer to him as Monty. Yeah, I mean, if you're in the changing room, you're not going to insist the lads call you Montgomery. <laughs> Colin. <laughs> so Monty will, uh, will come up. But yeah, I mean, he... Um, <laughs> Getting annoyed at him for using his name. 
It's a stupid name, Monty. <laughs> Apologies if you're called Montgomery and you're listening. It's a good name. He's only been with them for uh, six months. He was at Bloomberg for a couple of years before that. Come on, next one. Um, oh, he was the... Uh, <laughs> sorry, but he was the assistant to the German representative of Invest Kazakhstan in mm. uh, 2018. He certainly wasn't a footballer, was he? Well, that is, that's the bottom of his profile. Professional football player, Leeds United Football Club, 2011 to 2013. Then a four-year gap, hopefully not David Haig style, before he became a marketing and business development intern at the Snooze Project in Berlin. Great. Come on. Do you remember people wanted him in the team? <laughs> people were like... Well, they had a cool name. Pure, so was, that, it was, was pure was, agent hype, wasn't it? The yeah. whole thing. There was, there was a, there was a photograph yeah. of him doing like a really cool volley. <laughs> so he looked absolutely perfect for us. And to be honest... Who did we have in 2012? Tom Lees. He wouldn't get Lees out of the team. Lees and Bauer was, uh, was not for moving. Come on, clips to get through. Let's do them. Go on then. Right. Never mind um, the banking sector. We're just sticking with um, with dickheads in this section. So, Gabby Agbon Lahore. Oh, God. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, go because on. Because we're giving it, I mean, to be fair, they're not getting ticks in diaries for listening figures, are they? Is this, no, Is no. this talk spot? Of course. <sighs> okay. So, I'm kind of doing this against my better judgment because it's essentially just clickbait in the form of a radio station. Yeah, but we can... Use it as a. We're as feeding, a we we're feeding, use, but we're feeding the no, beast no, here. Maybe he'll make some good points that we can discuss. Maybe, yeah. Oh, let's listen and find out, shall we? <laughs> For me, with Leeds United, they've been so far out of the Premier League. You know, so many years they've been in the um, Championship. They finally got into the Premier League. Surely they want to stay there. For me, sixteen for, years, wasn't yeah, it? For me, I'll change. Be honest, I feel that the way they're playing at the moment, it's very stubborn coaching. You know, you're playing against like big teams world-class players and you're going toe-to-toe. You can't do that in the Premier League. For me, I'll change it. I'll get someone in who can keep Leeds United up now. Because Burnley, you look at the table here, Burnley, I've got three games land on Leeds, five points behind them. Do you know, like, like they're, they're, they're playing with fire, they're playing with relegation. And if they did go down, it might take them another 16 years to get back up. So for me, I just don't understand it, that the atmosphere at the ground, the fans are cheering. You're getting battered every week. It sounds it's, it's Sunday league scores. Like they're fully behind Bielsa. That that's what it sounded yeah, it, like it, to it me this season. It baffles me because if, if 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 my team was losing like like Leeds are losing, I wouldn't expect the fans to be clapping. You're getting humiliated, battered. Sunday league scores, eleven goals in two games. Like this isn't how you play in the Premier League. Every team you play against, the top managers will change their tactics. We could have played like Newcastle, couldn't we? Only have uh, conceded four without one of our best lineups. That's that's another option. Do you know the reason why um, it baffles him? Uh, why it baffles him that we're supporting him? <laughs> He's thick. Correct. That's, that's exactly the word I've written down. It uh, baffles you because you're thick. I wonder because he's saying we're not getting results, we need to change style. I wonder if he went on last year when Sam Allardyce was getting West Brom relegated and suggested they play total football instead. So you need to, what Sam yeah. needs to do. Change. He needs to change this style because it's not working. They're getting beaten. You see, Leeds, Leeds absolutely battered them the other week. They need to do more like what Leeds are doing if they want to stay up. And Burnley's such a strange example. I know they have the games in hands, but where he's saying, you know, they're five points behind Leeds. This is Burnley. Yes, they're worse than us. Burnley have won one game all season. Yeah, so we need to be more like So their, their hot three, four game winning streak surely is just around the corner. All signs point to it. I mean, is it even true that teams adapt against the top teams because I don't think Burnley play any different against Manchester City Burnley lose 5 nil against every week every yeah. year don't they every, every week. week is probably not far from accurate but yeah they, they play the same way against Leeds as they play against Manchester City and lose both they lost 4 nil towards last season and lost 5 nil to Man City oh, so dear. I don't know what the lessons are from any of this other than you know 
People can we just, can will, we, I, I, I enjoy listening to you, Moscow, but let's hear some, some, no, from, some real say, insight. People will complain when you use the word thick about somebody like Gabby Akbar. But he is thick. But what it means is it's <laughs> a thick. failure. It's a failure to imagine because he can't understand why Leeds fans will cheer because it's just some, it's not something that he would do. You're gonna, and it's a failure of imagination and being able to think beyond his own head. You are going to change your opinion when you hear his, his tactical ideas. But it's, it's worth saying that when Aston Villa were relegated and he was there, his solution to that was keeping Tim Sherwood in charge because he liked Tim Sherwood. Right. They brought in a Frenchman and he was like, ah. Well, God. you can't know. I mean, that's the worst thing so, that so it's can almost, ever happen, almost, it? like, almost like Gabby Agbonlahor changes his opinion mm. um, based on unique individual circumstances that will provoke a response. In, its aud- in his audience. Do you think that's maybe what he's doing? That's, that's the one thing he's good at, anyway, let's, trying to be controversial. Anyway, this is, I mean, his tactical ideas are controversial. Are they as good as your tactical ideas? Wait to see where this. Okay. I think Bielsa could play Bayern Munich tomorrow and put them um, ailing one-on-one versus Sane. You know, like, if I'm, a, if, I'm, if I'm a Leeds player, I'm saying in the change rooms afterwards, like, oh, Lance, he's killing us. He's killing us. We can't yeah. do this. We can't. I'm not as good to go 1v1 against these superstars. Do you know what I mean? You've got to have cover 2v1 all over the pitch. Right. 2v1. 22 men all over the pitch. Yeah. That's, his, that's his method to sort this out. And that would help, I think. No, I mean, he's right. Because Bielsa likes overloads and I can't think of a better overload than having twice as many players as them. I think the key part of that was um, the way Gabby is in a, a changing room, isn't it? This manager is yeah. killing us. Well, we can't, we can't play like this. What's he doing? Well, we, we, Tim Sherwood, he, he'd have us playing. He'd have us off in the afternoons. We could go to the boozer. We could go to the bookies. It was great. It was a right laugh when he was there. Never this, mind this one-on-one training. This bloody frog's coming. He's got us running all, all hours of the day. Pathetic. I can't even... I, he said I can't have four days off in a row. How am I meant to get to Dubai in that time? I mean, when you look at uh, Gabby Bonlahor from this time, he's getting a lot of criticism from Villa fans for basically being a, a lazy fat bastard who isn't interested in earning any of his £53,000 a week that he's getting paid a contract that he remained on while they were in the championship. The other point here as well is talking about him going up against um, Sane. Uh, um, uh, Sane and Mane, I've got your confusion going it's on. Sane, Sane. Sane. Yeah, uh, Bayern Munich. He's not called Leroy. <laughs> Can be if you want. Do anything for this show. And he's saying he could come up against, against Sane. Well, no, he's not going to do because he's in the Champions League and we're not and we're not in the Champions League because we've only just come up in the last couple of seasons and we're trying to develop our squad. So it's it's a completely false argument, isn't if it? And, we, uh... and yet when they do come up against the good teams, we've seen we get dicked this week when we've got injuries and all the rest of it. But yeah, we're but not, not play... playing against Sane yeah, but you've got to, week, you've got to remember that in his in his system, you have two right backs, yeah, which is going to make it easier. But even still, you know, the point I'm making is like, is you're not coming up against Sane every week. You're not coming up against Phil Foden and Sterling and all the rest of them. Most weeks we manage, you know. If we get to the point where we are playing Bayern Munich in the Champions League, then bless him, I love him. I don't think Luke Haling will be our right back. Oh. So we'll probably have a better right back who can maybe do a good job against Sane one one on one. So maybe it's just you have a, a squad or, capable of adapting to your circumstances. If we have got into the Champions League with Luke Haling, it's because he's got so much better than he is now that Sane won't be a problem. With much as you wouldn't have thought he could take on a wet paper bag <laughs> when um, Paul Heckingbottom was in charge of him. But now he's regarded as one of the best right backs in the country who was on the edges of the England squad. How many uh, caps does Gabby Akbonlaho have? Well, it's interesting you, you come to pick on his career because that's what we're about to do um, after this next clip. 
I'm not too playing against football. Leeds. I'll be like, come on then, where's the goals? Let's go 1v1. I get past you. I'm through in on goal. Mm. Let's look at his record. How, how old is he now? <laughs> uh, I don't know, actually. He's Let's not, find out. He's not actually as, as old as you think. But you can see why he retired when you sp- he speaks about these goals because his last three seasons at Aston Villa, uh, he got three. He's, uh, he's one, one per season. He's 35. 35, okay. So he could still... He's only 35. Just turned 35 in October, yeah. Could still be playing. La- played his last game in 2017-18. Um, but yeah, he got... So he got three goals in his in his last three seasons at Aston Villa. That's one goal in 11 games. That's good for a striker. Um, and then in his last... If you think that's a bit harsh, because I know he had injuries and um, obesity and holidays to deal with in that time, which, which obviously hampered him. <laughs> but if you look... Even if you go back to his last eight seasons, he was only one goal in five. So just to draw some comparisons here, he's uh, he's younger than James Milner, who will be 36 in January in a couple of weeks. Uh, and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo. I know we don't like to hold him up as any sort of example whatsoever, but just I'd to hold him up as an example of somebody to stay away from. If you no, but I'm saying lonely street on a dark night. Absolutely, but I'm just saying, like when you look at their relative physical performance, you, you can think what you like about him. Otherwise, I shouldn't have brought this up, should I? Let's just leave Cristiano Ronaldo out of let's do any that. discussion. It's I'm better got, to just I'm, pretend he's not let's around. Let's go uh, Joaquin, the Spanish winger. He's 40 and still playing. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. If, if you want another comparison as well, uh, Gabriel Bonlahor thinks that Bielsa is a joke. Gabriel Batistuta, almost too afraid to approach him because he reveres him so much. But then when he does, gets a, what he described as a soul hug from somebody he, he respects and um, admires. Gabby Bonlaha, 35, and his last acceptable Premier League season was probably 2009-10 when he got 13 goals. Whereas Bielsa's last acceptable Premier League season? Last season. Exactly. I think Bielsa would, if you put Bielsa into a Premier League team now, he'd score more goals than Gabby Bonlaha. <laughs> <laughs> and Christ, we've had Stan Collymore chirping up this morning. I don't, I don't think I can tolerate Collymore on top of uh, Bonlaha. It's, it's too, I mean, no offence to anybody who's from the West Midlands. Love you dearly if you're listening to this, but it's a lot to take on in one day. Admittedly, it's only a newspaper column, but you would still, still hear it in that voice. You do still yeah. hear it. It comes down to, I've just skipped to the end. Burnout. It comes down to, yeah, actually, um, he has three questions. He says, I'd love to take up um, an invite to Thorpe Arch, which he spelt wrong. He's put an E on the end of Thorpe. Uh, C training and post three questions. Why? Aged 60 odd. He keeps bringing Bielsa's age into it, and I don't know why. This It was Stan Collymore who thought he needed to live in a gated mansion, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, why, age 60-odd, did he think having such a small squad was prudent, given this league is like a grand national, exhausting with loads of hurdles? Well, because it worked last season, so that's one. Do you give them plenty of rest? And if not, do you think burnout is an issue? I think he gives them rest. I think he's familiar with the idea of resting players. And do you feel, as a coach, even in your 60s, you can always learn different things from other coaches that can make you better as a manager, well, what do you think he does when he's watching the finished third division? And an actual real example is when he had all this staff watching the World Cup to analyse new trends in set pieces. So yes, he's always learning, always studying the game to an extent that I imagine would blow Stan Collymore's tiny mind. I've got a question. Given that you're a man in your 50s, do you think it's appropriate to sit in a darkened car park at night with your headlights <laughs> off? Because he's 50 now, he's Stan, you see. Is he, is he waiting to fight Graham Smith or is it for something else? Whatever he wants to do with his leisure time. I mean, oh. we, will, we are going to all have to go to Cannock and have a, a bare knuckle with him because uh, that is 
That is his standard re- response after the Twitter block, or sometimes before the Twitter block, he'll he'll offer someone a fight, and then he'll um, he'll block them afterwards, won't he? So. And just to spin back to the start of this article, Leeds have invited me to their training ground to see what Marcelo and the club are all about, which is very kind, and I'd love to. So I'll tell you what, go ask those questions. Will you ask them? Will you fuck? Well, yeah, I mean, this is it. I would I would also love to have an invite to Thorpe Arch, and if I were to accept it, I'd try not to ask three such fucking stupid questions. That would be my my plan. Mm. Okay. Well, that's no, I've up. already answered for him. There's absolutely no need for him to go there and ask these stupid questions when absolutely anybody can answer them. Ask for something him. more insightful, like where do you do, get these cones from? Do something you, like that. He wants to travel all the way from Canuck to Thorpe Arch, which you can't spell, so he probably won't find it, and then go in there, sit Bielsa down, and say, "Do you give the players any rest? Get out! Just stop wasting everybody's time." And then he'll, of course, have to offer to fight a man in his sixties. Which is because that's the way you resolve people who disagree with him, isn't it? It's, indeed, uh, it's uh, through the old uh, fisticuffs yes. at Canic Chase. If they oh. won't answer your stupid questions, punch them. <laughs> hey, that does wrap up this episode of, uh, of propaganda. It felt like we vented a little bit then. It feels like we're, we'll come back from this. We'll all heal. Uh, it's the way it's got to go. There's two ways. We've lost two games really badly this week, and the Chelsea one was annoying. You either get annoyed about Leeds United, and it is quite easy because Leeds United are quite annoying. Thank you. Gabby and Stan and the rest of you, Terry, for giving me something to rail against. I'm really happy that we lost those games because this happened a bit last season when we lost to Scum 6-2 and it was a whole period of us like being the crazy result stuff. Everybody else in football was more annoyed about us losing 6-2 to Scum than we ever were. And I've now moved into that. I'm glad we lost those games. What, 7 plus 11-1? <laughs> 13 in a week, Moscow. Because of the way it's wound these idiots up. <laughs> so as long as we finish 17th, it was worth it. Yeah, because it's all going to be fine. We're not going to be relegated. Okay. It will be fine. Bielsa's methods in the end will prove to be good enough to keep us in the Premier League for two seasons, which is what we asked him to do in the first place. And these people will have wound themselves up. He's ruining my Premier League. Good. I hope he stays around and ruins your Premier League forever. Well, that's the whole reason we're in the Premier League. <laughs> To, to ruin, ruin it, it for other people. And if the best way to ruin the Premier League for other people is to keep losing 7-0, that's what we're going to do. Perfect. Do you agree with all that, Michael? I mean, it's got a shelf life as losing 7-0 every week. Um, I don't think we can continue to do that and ruin the Premier League. Just win enough to stay in. Okay. But in the meantime... Win five games and then lose the rest 7-0. Yeah. In the meantime, let's piss everybody off and then let's just come on here and take cheap shots oh. at people for the, either the size of the club or for the regional accent. Is they that keep, all right? They keep losing. Why do they keep singing? To annoy you. <laughs> We'll catch you in a bit. The Square Ball Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.